West Bowles, good morning. Hey, this morning we are in part two of a two-part little mini-series we started last week called Everything. And if you're new here at the church or you missed last week or you just need a reminder from last week, last week um, this series was started called Everything. It's about everything, just to clarify any confusion about what a series called Everything is about. Um, But last week we were in Isaiah chapter 6. And what we saw last week was God basically opened the sky and he gives one of his messengers, Isaiah, this picture of himself. And, and after he gave him this picture of himself, God asked a question. He said, who shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah, having seen this picture of everything that God is, he said, well, here am I, send me. In other words, God, when I see a picture of everything that you are, I got to give that everything I've got. And that's really where we landed last week with this phrase, that everything he is deserves everything I've got. Everything he is deserves everything I've got. And so we landed there last week. And and what we saw really was this picture of Isaiah. He was incredibly inspired at the sight of God. And so I thought, wow, wow. There's a lot in that first eight verses to be really hopeful and inspired by. So for week two of this series, we'll just finish the chapter because if it started that great, I bet where it lands is awesome. And then I read the chapter and um, I just thought, no, 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 no. Lord, we can't do a message on that because I thought this was going somewhere totally different. What kind of a message is this? I mean... If I get up and start talking about that, people might actually get up and leave while I'm talking. In fact, I might leave while I'm talking today. And so here, I'll just let you guys decide. Listen to this. We picked up last week and, or we ended last week and Isaiah is saying, here am I, send me. Verse 9, God said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused, make their ears dull, and close their eyes. I just feel so happy right now. And it gets worse. Listen to this, okay? Verse 11. Then I said, for how long, O Lord? And he answered, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. I don't know about you, but I am fired up right now after hearing that. I mean, you're ready to just tackle the week and just you're pumped. I mean, I was thinking we could just pray and get out of here and be encouraged, you know, because it, it really, honestly, it feels like a giant hug from a giant teddy bear stuffed with rusty nails and thumbtacks. And glowing red eyes and breathing fire. You know, it just feels good. But seriously, I, I think the reason I have trouble is I read that. And I think the reason that you maybe feel a little angst when you hear that, and maybe why Isaiah, we don't know for sure, but he might have felt a little bit of hesitation as that was commanded of him, is because last week we had a, a really incredible moment that we saw Isaiah in. And it was, we have a term for it. It's called... A mountaintop moment. You guys know mountaintop moments. It's those moments where all the worries, everything wrong in life, everything that's not working out, it just kind of fades to the background. There's no obstacle. 
And if you're a Christian, this is that moment that you've heard other people talk about where you experience a closeness with God that you've never had before. And there's just nothing in the way of that. And this is difficult because if you look at the reality of our lives, we don't live on the mountaintop, do we? We live in the valleys. And if you're like me, you'd love to be able to say to God, Lord, I want to give you everything I've got. But right now I'm focused on everything I'm going through. And that's difficult when you realize that you're distracted by everything you're going through. And I'm here to tell you this morning that there is a payoff. There's still a payoff. That when you're walking through the valley, that there's still a payoff to being able to give God everything I've got. And it's incredible because it not only affects you, but God will use that payoff to affect all those around you, watching you going through what you're going through. Now, as incredible as that payoff is, here's the problem. Every single person in here, you and me, at any given time, we're on the verge of missing the payoff. And the reason is, when you're going through the valley, your focus isn't usually, God, I want to give you everything I've got, is it? No, your focus is, God, I just want you to make everything good. Just make everything good. And we have that assumption that, you know, once everything's good, then, God, I'll be able to give you everything I've got. And so I came away a little bit skeptical last week because I saw Isaiah have this vision of God, and I thought, well, God, if you were to open the sky for me, I'd be all about you too. I'd give you everything I've got. Except maybe we don't say open the sky. We say, God, if you would heal that relationship or maybe put a relationship there, then I'd give you everything I've got. If you could work out that job situation, if you could fix that financial setback, then I could give you everything I've got. And it's normal and it's natural. It's our human nature. We know this. Maybe you remember 2004, 2005, 2006, you'd go to the Rockies game and you'd get there and it wasn't real hard to get a seat really anywhere, was it? Because they weren't doing so hot and the seats were kind of empty. And you could go and you'd kind of pay attention to the game, but because they weren't really that good, you'd kind of just talk to whoever you were with and the people around you. You know, and the guy who checks your ticket when you go to sit down in a section, he says, you know what, take your pick. Sit wherever you want, there's plenty of empty seats. And then even this always has bugged me. I've been bitter about this for nine years now. We went to a game in 2004, and the hot dog guy, I just took it so personal, because he just looked mad. I mean, he, he put a puddle of ketchup on my hot dog, a puddle of mustard, and slammed it down. It sprayed on my shirt. And I just thought, this guy doesn't even want to be here right now. I want a hot dog vendor who loves his job. But that all changed in 2007, didn't it? Because the Rockies, you remember, they won 21 out of 22 games. And suddenly they're in the playoff hunt. And then they're cruising through the playoffs. And then they're in what? The World Series. And then if, if you were lucky enough to get a ticket to a game, the seats were full. And the ticket taker, I mean, he made sure that you sat right where you belong. Otherwise, you're taking somebody's seat. Because that place was packed. And the hot dog vendor, I mean, he's dancing, he's making your hot dog, and he's giving you all the fixings, and he throws the hot dog to you in a perfect spiral right into your mouth. 
It was awesome. And you know why? Because our human nature is when everything's good, it's a lot easier to give everything I've got. And that happens to us. The problem with that is there's a danger to it. There's a danger that kind of sneaks up on us. And it's not just us. If you look through the pages of Scripture, you discover that it's not just us today that it affects, that are in danger. It's been happening for all time, as long as there's been human life. And the danger is that wanting everything to be good can take the place of giving God everything I've got. And, and what you see in Deuteronomy chapter 6, there was a point where God said to his people, I want you to give me everything you've got. But he didn't word it that way. He said, I want you to love me with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. With everything you've got, I want you to love me. And shortly thereafter, he delivers them into the promised land, and everything's what? Everything's good. Because this is the land of milk and honey. You know, it's rich, it's fertile, nothing like the desert that they've spent decades in. And the food, they could have really any food they wanted, not like the bread that they spent decades eating. And so as generations came and went, what you see happening is the focus on giving God everything I've got, that's dropping. And as that is dropping, there's a new focus coming into play. And it's on God I just want everything to be good. And so when the book of Isaiah opens up, those first five chapters leading up to chapter six that we're in this morning, you see a picture of the people of God. And what's their focus? The comfort of man, the conditions of man, the confidence of man. And God's looking at all this and he says, I got to give them a message and Isaiah, since you, since you said, here am I, send me, you're going to deliver it. If you have your Bibles, we're in chapter 6, verse 9. If not, it'll be up on the screen for you. But verse 9, here we go. And we read this earlier. He said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused, make their ears dull, and close their eyes. See, God's looking at all of this, and he's saying, you guys, you hear what I'm saying. All I've been asking you to do is obey me, not because it's about rules, but it's about a relationship. And so I need you to obey me. And they're hearing all this, but they're not understanding it at all. And there are consequences for that. He says, your heart will become calloused. Your heart will become hard. Your ears will become dull. You won't be able to hear my voice as well. Your eyes will be closed, and it'll be hard to see what I'm trying to show you because those are the consequences. And so he's looking at them, and he's saying, what has happened, the reason you don't perceive is because you have valued the gifts that I've given you over the one who gives them. They valued the what over the who. And so I'm looking at all this, and I'm going, yeah, that's totally them. And then I went, oof, that's us too. And you know what? It starts, it's not something you just come down with one day, like a condition. It starts real young. We got a reminder of this a few weeks ago. 
um, a while back. We don't have cable at our house. And so we decided it was just cheaper to get Netflix. And so we got Netflix, and there's some kind of weird shows and movies on there, but there are some good ones too. And we found some that our girls like. And so usually during, when we're making dinner, they get to watch a show. And usually when Kara says, hey, it's time for dinner, girls, come on up, shut off Netflix, clear off the table, they run right up, probably just because of awesome parenting, okay? And <laughs> so one night, though, a few weeks ago, that wasn't the case. Kara said, okay, time for dinner, girls, shut off Netflix, and come on up here, clear off the table. And Lainey looked over, she's our six-year-old, and she said, hang on, Mom. And I just inside my body and inside my blood vessels, I could actually feel Kara's blood pressure rising. <laughs> and I just went, oh my gosh, I can't believe she just said that. And the worst part is true, our two-year-old is in copycat mode right now. And so she turned around, she's like, yeah, hey on, mom. <laughs> and I just, like Lincoln, our, our, uh, he's now eight weeks old, but at the time, six weeks old, he's in his bouncer in the kitchen, and I just looked over at him and was like, bro, run. <laughs> so I sprint out of the kitchen, and then Lincoln with his little six-week-old leg sprints out of the kitchen. <laughs> he's advanced for his age. <laughs> it's awesome parenting is what it is. No, I picked him up, and I'm running up the stairs like we're in the middle of a storm, just trying to shelter him. And all I hear, thundering, thundering out of Kara's mouth is, oh, no, you did not. <laughs> and so in that couple seconds it took her to say that, Lincoln and I, we locked ourselves in the bathroom, and we just were crying, <laughs> praying for the souls of Lainey and True. And all we heard was weeping and gnashing of teeth downstairs. It was, it was awful. But it was a reminder of how easily, how easily we value what God has given us over the one who gave it to us. It's so easy to do. Now, is it bad to want everything good? No. But if that starts getting in the way of saying, God... I want to give you everything I've got, then there's probably something for us to think about. And what we're going to see next is that God, through Isaiah, is about to give his people a reminder. He's going to give us a reminder. Take a look at verse 11. Isaiah asks a question that every single one of us would ask. Then I said, for how long, O Lord? And he answered. He's saying, what he's saying is, how long are the people going to be like this? How long? Look at God's answer. Until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted, until the, and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. And you read this, and this has the feel that God is just, in, and he's got the right to, to just tear everything away. But you know what I think this is illustrating? There's a moment where you see the Lord sent everyone away. But I think it's illustrating that even if God weren't to take something away, all the things that we place our comfort in, our confidence in, that if those things were there, the conditions would be just perfect, all of those things are going to fail. They are going to falter. And they're going to fade away. 
And that's hard. That's hard to remember. That all of it. That last week we talked about how God is holy. That means there's nothing like him. No one like him. He alone is everlasting. Which means even the stuff that he has blessed us with, the things, we can't hold on to those. We can't. And that's a hard message to hear. It's really difficult to hear. And yet, it's in the midst of this that you find the payoff. The payoff of walking through the valley and life doesn't look the way I'd like it to look right now, but there's a payoff. Look what God says next. And though, uh, I'm sorry, but as the terebinth, that's a tree, but as the terebinth and oak leave stumps when they're cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. It's kind of a weird sentence. But in the midst of God's people losing their comfort, losing the conditions that they held so closely, losing the things that they had all this confidence in, there's a holy seed in it. These once tall trees of their life that they had placed so much faith in, they're now stumps. But God says, even in that, even in that, there's a holy seed. And sometimes it only feels as big as a seed. But you know what? It's packed with the potential of a seed. Here's what that's saying. That giving God everything I've got makes clear everything he has. When I can give God every single thing I've got, even when life has been laid waste, it will reveal everything he has. And not just to you, but to the people around you. You know what that seed is, that holy seed? When you look in Isaiah, you go to chapter 11, the holy seed, it's Jesus. It's pointing to Jesus. And as I'm thinking about these people, God's people, who had their entire landscape of their lives laid waste, and the land is full of stumps. I just thought they're not going to be able to see that until afterward. They're not going to be able to see the holy seed until afterward. And then I remembered my life. There was a moment about, it was about four or five years ago. I had been at a job where I had a salary. I had worked with people that I liked working with. Still in contact with a lot of them today. And for some reason, I just felt like God was laying on my heart, go keep working with the junior hires. And I was like, what? Junior high? And I, was, I just wasn't excited to do that because that was like the worst couple years of my life. I mean, you talk about the landscape of your life being laid waste. That's how it felt when I was in junior high. And one day reminded me of why I didn't like it so much. Junior hires, I love you guys now, just so you know, okay? But there was one day we decided to go to Waterworld. And so we load up the bus full of junior hires to go to Waterworld. And at the start of the day, I said, okay, be back at the bus at 3.20. 3.20, because we have to be back by 4.30. And your parents, they're going to be waiting, okay? And it's going to be rush hour and all this stuff. And so 3.20 comes around, and the whole group is there except for three girls. So we run to the help desk, and we say, hey, can you call their names over the loudspeaker? we got to go. So they call their names a few times, and they're not showing up. 
And so Kara decided to stay and look for him at the water park, and I got on the bus, and we went home, and I just was going to come back and get her. So we get back to the church, and in the meantime, Kara texted me. She found him. We get back to the church, and this mom of one of those girls is standing there. I was like, she didn't show up. My, my wife just found her, but she didn't show up when it was time. And I'm about to go back up there. I'm going to pick up my wife. I'll bring them home, maybe. Um, and the mom was like, oh, no. I'm going to get them. And I was like, this is awesome, okay? And so they pull into the parking lot, and Kara gets out of the back of this car, and her eyes are huge. And all I hear is just this screaming. And this mom is like, I still don't know why when you heard your name over the speaker, you didn't just go. And this just little snot bag of an eighth grade girl is like, I really wanted to go on the ride. And it's pretty much exactly how she said it. I remember. And I remember going home that night and just, being, just going, I'm going to quit. I hate this. There's nothing, there's nothing that feels good about this. Nothing. And as I thought back to that, I was reminded that what was Nathan concerned about? The comfort of Nathan? The confidence of Nathan? The conditions of Nathan. And so it's only in retrospect that I get to see the holy seed that even those moments provided. And this is where I think Isaiah, he actually pulls ahead of a lot of us and he pulls ahead of the people here and he pulls ahead of Nathan. Because for the people, the focus was the comfort of man, the conditions of man, the confidence of man. But for Isaiah, the focus was the command of God. And so for that, he said, I will give everything I've got. Even though that might have been uncomfortable to take that message, I will give everything I've got because he knew that'll make clear everything that he has. It'll show the holy seed in the midst of the destruction and the desolation and the waste of the land. You want to know where this hits home for me? and I think it hits home for a lot of us, is when you see people that they're going through a life situation and you just think, I cannot imagine. I cannot fathom going through that. I couldn't do it. I don't know how I would survive. And yet, when you see them going through it and you talk to them, all they do is point to the holy seed in the midst of their situation, to Jesus. Um, a few a month ago, a number of us lost a close friend. And there was a gathering here at the church just to talk about his life and celebrate. And what came out of all of it? I mean, I'm looking at his family and the landscape of their lives has just been laid waste. I mean, they look around and they just see stumps. And in the middle of it, there's this holy seed because you have stories of people in which Jesus used this guy's life. A few weeks ago, I got to visit at the hospital somebody here in our congregation, and his health has just been wiped out. 
there was a car accident and his back is torn up. They're trying to figure out how he can go back to work. And yet if you talk to him, it's all about the holy seed. I know, I know Jesus has something through this. And so he can walk through it and instead of being mad that it's uncomfortable and screaming and kicking, all eyes are on the holy seed on what Jesus could do through it. We have close friends who this woman has an incredible platform. She's written a number of books. She has a huge following on Twitter, Facebook. She's going through breast cancer. And every single time she gets on one of those platforms, it's all about the holy seed, about Jesus. There's a man in our church, not much older than me. He thought he was going in for maybe celiac disease. Found out it's stage four liver cancer. And when you talk to him, his faith is mind-boggling. Because all he can say is, I know Jesus has something in this. <laughs> he calls it an adventure. This last week, sat with a family at the hospital who lost a son 10 years ago. Their daughter was in a car accident this week, and she is clinging to life. And all they could think to do was do what, what strengthened them when they lost their son. It was call people together. That's how they saw Jesus when they lost their son. And so what did they do this week? They called people together. And are there questions? Yes. Is it uncomfortable? Yes. Is it difficult? Yes. And yet, they continue to do this thing that points to Jesus. Do you know why all these people do this? I mean, these are the... These are the stories that move us. When you see somebody going through something that you just can't imagine going through, it ratchets up your faith to a whole new level. But you know why they can do it? Because they point at Jesus, who went through the exact same thing. In the waning days of his life, the landscape of his life was laid bare. Nothing comfortable about it. The conditions were awful. I mean, they put him through an illegal trial and handed him over to really a bloodthirsty crowd of people who called for his life. And yet, you know what you read in here? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. In the midst of the landscape of Jesus' own life, where there are stumps everywhere, his followers, his friends, they've all deserted him. And he goes because he was all about giving everything I've got to the Father because he has something through this. And boy, did God have something through that. So what's this mean for us? I mean, as we talk about the community here at this church, What's it mean for us? It's real easy to come to church and I look for what's comfortable and conditions that are just right and what I can be confident in. But if we could just do that without worrying about those things, there's a holy seed in it. 
the world watching, that's the thing. There's always somebody watching you go through what you're going through. And so when somebody sees you giving everything you've got to God, they see everything he has. For you, maybe, but for them. And that's how God works in their lives. There is a whole community out here of people who need to be here. They need to see everyone in here giving everything they've got to God so that they can see what he has for them. And we need to be that for one another as well. And so I'll leave you with that. Whether it's an email you need to write or a card or somebody you need to contact, giving God everything I've got makes clear everything he has. Will you pray with me? Father, in the midst of, of loss and pain and illness and disease, we come before you, the great healer, the great comforter, and we ask that you will remind us and give us grace to see beyond this moment, that sometimes that valley, all we can see is everything we're going through, and all we can see is how our comfort, our confidence, our conditions have been affected. Will you help us and give us grace to see beyond that moment? We lift up those struggling with loss and hurt, whose lands or whose lives have been laid waste in some area. We ask that you will remind them that as they walk through it, they can walk confidently knowing that there's a holy seed in it. But show the rest of us the holy seed as we watch their lives and as we go through those moments in our own lives. In Jesus' name.